Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our God is a faithful God. What does that mean? According to the Word of God, God will respond. He will do the things that He said that He would do. A faithful God is a reliable God, a God that is worthy of one's trust. And therefore, we have seen thus far in our study of Psalm 118 that the psalmist, that is the author of this psalm, he has confidence in God, that God will move in his life and that God will bring about deliverance and eventually this one is going to experience victory. And what is victory? Finding yourself in the will of God, being in the presence of God and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Take out your Bible. And look with me to that location, the book of Psalms, and Psalm 118. Now, we left off with verse 18. And I want to begin in this study with verse 19. And here, again, the psalmist is expressing confidence. And oftentimes, it's only when we look at something in the original language that we can understand it properly. If we don't, we can be confused by an assumption, what we assume that the Word of God means. And let me give you an example of this. Look at that verse, verse 19, where it says, Open for me the gates of righteousness. Now, my question is this. The psalmist is making a petition. Open for me the gates of righteousness. My question is this, to whom is the psalmist addressing? Many people will think that he's speaking to God. He's speaking to the Son of God, Messiah. No, this is an impossibility. Why? Because when we look at that verb for open, it is in the form of a command, and human beings should not command God. Secondly, it's in the plural. So when he says, open for me, he is not addressing one as in God, but rather he's addressing a multitude. And the implication is when you look at many of the rabbinical commentators who do indeed look at the original language, they get it right. It's speaking to, for example, the heavenly hosts, those whom God has created who serve God in a variety of different functions in heaven and they are also sent into this world as well to serve God and to carry out his purposes. Now, what's interesting is that the psalmist is saying this in a form of a command. Why? Well, again, if you check out some of the best commentators, they will share with you the reason. 
and that is because the psalmist has confidence he has assurance because of his covenantal relationship with god he knows that these must respond in a significant and specific manner and what is that to open up for him the gates of righteousness it is not arrogance it is not pride but it's simply understanding the covenantal promises of god and specifically here the new covenantal promises of god because i've accepted the gospel because i've trusted in the work of messiah and not my works because i believed in the promises of god i know i have perfect assurance that i am going to be welcomed by god and those that serve god into his kingdom again it's not arrogance why because i had nothing to do with that i'm only a recipient of god's mercy his grace i have found his forgiveness by means of this new covenant a covenant that is rooted in god forgiving and god forgetting all of our sins and doing what imputing to us the righteousness of the son of god so that we can have assurance so look again at verse 19 where it says open for me the gates of righteousness now we know from a new covenant perspective that the kingdom of god is a kingdom of righteousness so when it speaks about open for me the gates of righteousness we can rightly declare that those gates lead into the kingdom of god and what does the psalmist say he says and i will enter through them and what's his purpose to give thanks to yah meaning to the lord so what is the context coming into the kingdom of god with thanksgiving recognizing the only reason that i'll be there the only reason that you'll be there the only reason that anyone will be there is because of what god has done how god the father sent god the son into this world to give his life as a form of redemption and his blood purchased for all those who enter into that new covenant eternal redemption and that redemption is going to produce righteousness in our life so he says open for me the gates of righteousness and i will come in i will go in through them and what will he do and i will give thanks to yah verse 20. now in verse 20 it speaks more about the gate and notice what it says this is the gate of the lord now this is an important construction remember for example we're studying the book of psalms and when a psalm is written by david it will say for example mismore a psalm lay david of david now here we find that those gates that is the means of entering into the kingdom belong to the lord and what is the outcome of that new covenant well notice again it says 
and righteous ones it's in the plural righteous ones they will enter in him or in it or through it meaning the gate now we know something from a new covenant perspective if you read for example the book of john and chapter 10 you will find out that it is messiah himself which is the gate into there the sheep pen where the sheep go in and where they're brought out he is the gate and in that same way when we look at this passage it's speaking about the gate but we can translate it that they will go in by it or through it meaning the gate but it can also rightly be translated by him or through him verse 21 again there's an emphasis upon thanksgiving he says i will give thanks to you because you have answered me and what was the question well we know the question based upon the response it says and you have become for me for salvation so we see that there is in this passage of scripture the psalmist is giving thanks to god because god has become for him salvation meaning this that there is an inherent relationship there is a unity between god and salvation so when i experience salvation i'm experiencing god and that is why when one is saved the outcome of that salvation experience is the presence of god the holy spirit entering into a believer's life and never to leave him and never to forsake him and therefore when we look at this we see that god has become for me the psalmist is speaking for me for salvation now he is the savior who is god is but in this case we see something we see how messiah the son of god god himself is spoken of in this verse and this next verse verse 22 is most informative we see uh, many of the rabbinical scholars in the past have spoken of this quoted this and it's it's not surprising that they too see this as relating to messiah so notice what the scripture says evan now we've learned there are a few different words in hebrew for a rock or a stone we have the word selah that is used for example for that that rock that followed the children of israel in the wilderness we have the word sur and we find that sur is a word which means rock or stone that's also used in regard to messiah and we have a third word this word evan which also can mean rock or stone but here most informative it says or the rock which has been rejected literally masu and what a strong word that word masu (laughs) is a word which means to loathe just not reject but to have great animosity towards a loathing and a rejection that is very very strong so we see here the 
habonim, the builders. And there is agreement. The builders are the leaders of Israel. And they had great condemnation, great loathing, great uh, uh, animosity, and rejected the stone. What stone? Well, notice what it says at the end of verse 22. That this stone, now how do we know that it's speaking about stone? The word evan in Hebrew in this verse is stone or rock. And evan is a feminine word. And when we look at the verb that follows, it says haita. Haita is third person, singular, feminine. So we have to say the, the rock that the builders loathed, this rock, that's the implication, has become the chief corner, meaning the primary cornerstone. And any builder would tell you how important, how vital the cornerstone is. It is related to foundation. Now, it's not placed on the foundation, but it holds things together. It is vital for the structure of the building. So this stone that the leadership has loathed, has had animosity for, has rejected, this very one has become the chief corner. Verse 23. When we look at that first word in verse 23, it's the word me'et, which means from. Now, it's from in a definite sense, meaning the word men is from. Here, that noon falls off, and we just have that first letter, meaning from. And then we have the word et. I told you it's me'et, but it means from, but that term et points out a definite article. It is showing that there's something specific. And who is that? Well, we know it is. We don't have to guess. It says, from the Lord was this. Same uh, verb, third person singular feminine, to show that there's a continuation in thought here. We're still talking about this stone, this rock. And it says, from the Lord was this. And it, and here it's feminine because a stone is feminine, it is wonderful in our eyes. Now, once more, those who are one ones of the most capable scholars and interpreters of scripture when something is wonderful in our eyes what it's saying is it has a wonderful benefit and this word wonder is a supernatural word it relates to a wonderful thing that has taken place by means of the supernatural god in order to accomplish and what does god always accomplish his will his purpose so we see now a connection between the messiah and by the way that rock yes that term rock or stone is used in many places but the commentators say that the rock is messiah and this one and what happened to him brought about that which is wondrous for us from our perspective this is what verse 23 is saying verse 24 this is a day that the lord has made now the question that you should be asking yourself is this why is that sentence there this is the day that the lord has made 
well when does the word day first appear in the bible i'll tell you in genesis 1 it is related this word yom for day is related to the creation story we see that word appearing seven times meaning day one that's literally what it says not the first day day one the second day the third day the fourth day the fifth day the sixth day and the seventh day or shabbat so when we come across this word yom or day we should think of the creation story what does creation story speak to what god has done and that's why we have the phrase here this is the day this makes it emphatic it is emphasized this is the day that the lord has made what are we talking about a new creation we can say it differently a second creation god bringing about a change in this world and that change only comes through the work of messiah what he has done for you for me and as the word of god says for all humanity let me pause for a moment and simply say those who teach there is a limited atonement that is a false teaching that is not biblically based we do not see that we see that messiah did not just die for the elect but the scripture says that also not only for us but also for the world that's the implication not a limited atonement and this is why it's wonderful and what should we do we'll look at the end of uh, verse 24 where it says nagila we shall rejoice and we will be glad and it says in him now this is interesting because we go back to the third person third person singular masculine not feminine and why the change if we look at this verse and we see earlier on in the previous verse we see zot meaning this feminine haita also a feminine verb but when we come to this this verse verse 24 this is the day that the lord has made we will rejoice and we will be glad in it well obviously we know that it is the day but we also see the ability to rejoice in that day comes about through yeshua he is what makes us glad and joyful he is the one that allows us to worship god here's the biblical truth if you are not in a new covenant relationship with god through messiah yeshua that is jesus christ you cannot worship god because redemption is necessary for worship this is foundational in the biblical text look now to to verse 25 where it says ana adonai hoshia now which means please O lord hoshana na save us now and again please O lord make us successful now and again we need to pause for a moment and ask ourselves well what is the the meaning or the proper understanding or definition of being successful well notice first save us 
and now having been saved what can we do faithfully carry out the will of god success is doing the will of god success is worshiping god and that is and we talked about this last week but it's warrants repeating it is always the desire of the enemy to keep you from worshiping god and if you want to know how to have success it's very simple no matter what goes on in your life no matter what you experience worship god as long as you are worshiping god and you know what you can be a very elderly person in your 90s or even into the hundreds and still be able to worship god you may be going through a terrible situation and i'm truly sorry for that but don't let that that terrible situation keep you from worshiping god god is worthy of worship he doesn't have to do anything therefore we should always in every circumstance worship god in fact there's a a great passage of scripture and i'm speaking about daniel chapter 6 when daniel realizes that the law went into effect that that no one can worship only the the image and the desire of the king a pagan king daniel what did he do he went he prayed towards jerusalem and he gave thanks to god so even in a very desperate and dangerous place and we know what happened to him he was cast into the dens of lions but daniel continued to worship god and it's that ability to worship god in spite of what you're experiencing that is what faith is all about look now to verse verse 27 blessed is the one who comes in the name of the lord now we've all heard that and and probably most of us have heard that from a different place in the scripture we've heard it in the the gospel of matthew in chapter 23 where messiah is on the mount of olives he's looking over towards jerusalem the city and where the temple is and he's weeping over their spiritual condition and this is where he says how i wanted to gather up meaning the people of israel to gather you up as a mother hen gathers up her chicks but here's the problem you were not willing that's what the scripture says and therefore he says it's not going to change meaning this you're not going to have another opportunity as a nation to to respond to this invitation until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord everyone agrees this 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 statement is about messiah and it's only when and here's the important thing it is only when israel is brought into a disastrous condition when israel finds herself in a desperate situation then and only then when they look 
and see from a earthly standpoint from a visual standpoint from a natural standpoint there's no hope then and only then as an outcome of what's called yaakov's trials or tribulation that trial and tribulation to jacob only then will israel in that sense of desperation that they will call out and say baruch haba bashem adonai blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord this is indeed related to messiah and this this passage right when we're reading here blessed is the one who comes in the name of the lord also confirms that this has messianic implications and then it says we will bless you from the house of the lord meaning it's only when we are at the house of the lord what do we do at the house of the lord worship god it is only when we are worshiping god are we going to be in a position in a spiritual condition to be a blessing to others now look at verse 27 where it speaks about god is the lord so we have a generic name for god l like bet l the house of god l and then we have that sacred name of god that yudhe vavhe so god is the lord and what has he done he has illuminated what does that mean it means that god gives revelation we can be assured when we are struggling when we are confused in this world we can go before god and seek his truth and we can expect god to respond that's what the scripture is saying he is a source of revelation but what i want you to see is what he is revealing something very important about what we've spoken of already and that is salvation look again at verse 27 god is the lord and he has illuminated for us what is he illuminated look at this next phrase isru chag ba avotin now this is important because the word isru well I think most of your Bibles translate this correctly. It means to bind. And then it says Chag, which is a festival, and is speaking about the festival offering. So he says here, bind. And we'll see exactly what that means in a moment. Bind the festival offering with cords. Do so with cords. And then what does he say? Unto the the horns of the altar now this is unique for a reason we're not talking about just any sacrifice but a festival sacrifice and here's what we know never was the offering ever bound to the horns of the altar why well you take a typical holiday and you will have hundreds of thousands i believe the number that is frequently given by authorities is around 250,000 sheep are sacrificed when the temple stood for passover 
That is an incredible, incredibly large number. And we know something. It had to be done quickly, and it had to be done at one location in a period of around uh, six hours. So because of that, they had to work very fast, and there was no way that they could bind each of those 250,000 sheep to the horns of the altar. It just wasn't done. So when we talk about the binding, well, something else should come into our mind. Now, it's a different word. We talk about akidat yitzchak, the binding of yitzchak. But here we have a similar word, a synonym. And we have to say, well, what festival offering is bound to the horns of the altar, meaning to the wood? And we know what the answer is. We know that Yitzchak was bound to the wood. And who else? Yeshua. Messiah Yeshua. He was, was bound to that wood by the ropes that went around his, his arms and held him in position for those nails to drive, be driven into his flesh, into his palms, and into his ankle. So this is significant. Why? Well, it says, God is Lord. What is our Lord going to do? He is going to illuminate. He's going to give revelation to us. And it's found in the fact that there is a festival offering that is bound with cords to the horde of the altar. And who is that? That is Messiah. This fact gives us insight in knowing that Yeshua is that stone that was rejected, who has become that chief cornerstone. And that should be wonderful in your eyes if you know him, if you understand what he has done. It should be wonderful in your eyes. Now, that act of Yeshua, that surrender, should be a source of worship, praise, and thanksgiving from you to God. And that's how this psalm concludes the last two verses. Look at verse 28. The word Eli, which means my God. Eli Ata, my God is you. And what are we going to do? He says, I will give thanks to you. My God, I will exalt you. So immediately after saying, I am the source of revelation and telling us if you want to recognize this one who was loathed, this one who was rejected, this one who brought about salvation, who is the chief cornerstone, this one who's wonderful in our eyes. Well, you only need to look at how he died and when he died on Passover, that he was indeed that festival offering. And therefore he says, my God is you, and I will give thanks to you. My God, and I will exalt you. Literally, I will lift you up. And then our last verse, verse 29, begins or concludes this psalm in the same way that this psalm begins. It's the same verse as verse 1. So the first verse and the last verse of Psalm 118 is the same, where it says, Give thanks to the Lord because He is good.
What does that mean? We should worship God. We should exalt God. We should praise God. Why? Because God has a will. And only when you are in the will of God will you know how good it truly is. It will be a source of joy. It will be a source of contentment. It will be a source of power. When you are in God's will, you will see, and hear this, you will see everything differently. God's will gives you a totally different outlook on life in general and your situation in particular. So he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And and what causes us to experience the goodness of God where he tells us right here? Because forever, and that is a word of eternity, forever, for eternity, is his grace. And what that tells us is that God's grace is necessary for us to have that kingdom experience whenever that word eternity appears or everlasting or forever however it's translated when that word appears it gives that passage a kingdom context and that shouldn't surprise us because that stone that was rejected is the king of kings the lord of lords and he is coming again he is going to establish a kingdom and it's only through his grace that is offered up through what he did on passover on that 14th day of the first month when he laid down his life upon that cross only through that event and your receiving of it can you have confidence and assurance that god is going to act in your life and you're going to experience god's faithful goodness now if you reject all of that god's still faithful he's eternally faithful But instead of experiencing his faithful goodness, you're going to experience his faithful judgment. See, God is always a faithful God. For those who are redeemed, those who belong to him, God is faithful to bless, to bring about the fulfillment of his promises to them. But to those who reject him, God is still faithful to bring about his judgment, his condemnation, and his eternal punishment. Here's the fact. You choose. Now, is God free to assist us? Of course. Does he help us? Yes, he does. Does he make us? No, he does not. God encourages people to receive him. But realize we have a conscience. And through that conscience, we can discern certain things. When we come across the word of God, our conscience can say yes to that. Even though I am spiritually dead, I'm not utterly dead. My heart's beating, my mind's functioning. And even though I'm spiritually dead through the conscience, I have and have the ability to exercise a certain level of discernment, obviously. The discernment of the Holy Spirit is better than the discernment of my conscience. But still, nevertheless, in a natural condition, being unregenerated through the conscience, I can hear the Word of God. That conscience can can clarify and confirm to me, this is true. 
and lead me to say yes to God's goodness, to receive his son, to understand the blood that was shed in order that I can be redeemed, that I can be forgiven, that my sins can be forgotten, and I can have that wonderful assurance, that sure understanding, that confidence that I will be in the kingdom of God. To be absent from this body is indeed to be in the kingdom of God with Messiah, if indeed you have that new covenant relationship with him. Well, I'll close with that until next week when we have a very special psalm to begin studying. The next psalm, Psalm 119, and let me just simply share with you that we are going to spend 22 weeks, you heard me correctly, 22 weeks going through this 119th psalm, going through every word, every verse, because this psalm is a powerful psalm that honors God and shows great respect for his word. And let me simply conclude by saying those two things go together. To honor God, you must respect his word. Shalom. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.